0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Today's episode, I'm going to be covering some of my draft position rankings. I'm not going to be going over all the positions. I'll finish that probably next episode when I go over stuff like linebackers, safeties. I still want to talk about corners, um, but in this episode, I'm going to be going over edge rushers offensive linemen quarterbacks and wide receivers some of the most hyped groups in this year's draft class so after all that i'm going to talk about some of the free agent signings that i haven't talked about yet including bobby wagner Allen robinson Tyreek Hill. and without further ado let's get into it let's start with the edge rankings um, i'm also going to be talking about some sleepers at each position some guys that i don't think people are talking enough about I'm gonna be going five to one at each of the positions given, then give some sleepers and let's get right into it. At number five for the edge rushers, our very first edge rusher, I have George Karloftis. He may have the highest motor out of any edge rusher in this class. I mean, this guy is just a fucking dog on film. He is relentless. He was very productive his entire time at Purdue. Um, there's still some knocks on him though. And the reason I have him at five is that he can be overpowered in the run game. He can kind of disappear because he doesn't have the longest arms, so he can't really separate and push off as well as some others. Um, even though he's a really good bull rush, his lateral movement and overall just The way his hips move, he's not as fluid as some of these other guys that I'm going to talk about. And that's very important, especially defending the run, especially against zone schemes when he's really getting spread out. And um, you need to be able to move your hips on a dime if you want to be able to stop running games like that. So I'm not saying he can improve that part of his game because he is a massive human being. He's got a lot of mass to him and really, really heavy hands that help him when he's rushing the passer. And I think that could be translated to defending the run at the higher level. Again, it kind of just depends on Like most of these guys where he lands uh what coaching staff takes him in and how they really adapt to him he's not really strong enough to play on the end of a 3-4 scheme but i think he'd be an excellent defensive end in a 4-3 scheme and can adapt his game to defend the run better so at number five i have george karloftis perhaps again the highest motor out of any of these guys number four i have trayvon walker his stock was boosted more than anyone at the combine as we know Um, But I just can't get behind him as much as some others because of his lack of pass rush production. Um, I really just don't like taking someone as high as second overall if he can't effectively rush the passer already. Um, Obviously, he has all the tools to get there. We know he's extremely lengthy. He's extremely strong. And as we saw in the combine, he is very, very good burst. He can get off very quickly and he can absolutely bully people when defending the run. But I just haven't seen that fluidity and that bend in his hips to get around the edge and the three guys ahead of him really have that ability to bend the corner and rush the passer a lot better Um, I've just seen more from them so that's why I have these three guys around him not that Trayvon can't get there and, and Maybe one day he will, but I think he's a little bit farther off than these guys, than these three guys above him. And again, I'm not spending that high of a draft pick for a guy who's an elite run defender and hasn't really proven he can do the same against the pass yet. So Trayvon Walker is my number four player. And. Don't get me wrong. This is a very deep edge class. I think all these guys can be very efficient in their rookie years. But again, Trayvon just has all the tools right now, and I just want to see a little bit more from a pass rush standpoint. At number three, I have Jermaine Johnson. He was a senior bowl star. He absolutely shined in that game, um, in that display against other seniors. Um, I mean, he's got really good bend. He has good hands. He's really quick off the snap. He's got everything you want in a modern pass rusher. Uh I just have him a little bit lower cuz I just want to see a little bit more. Uh we didn't see too much of that in college. It was really the Senior Bowl that put him on the map. Uh but still he's got amazing tools. Um will be a very good NFL starter. This again, this class is just loaded at edge and the two guys above him we already know enough about. We've been talking about these two guys for years. Uh you can Probably figure out who it is. At number two, I have Kayvon Thibodeau. I really don't know what else you need to know about this guy, he's very powerful, really good bend, really, really good upper body strength. Um, I wanna see a little bit more in his legs, a little more power, a little more bull rush. Um, He's very much a finesse guy. He still has shown sometimes. where he can be very powerful and he he is good against the run he's not great but i think that's just the one place where he can really improve his game i think he's going to be a very effective pass rusher day one number one no surprises here is aiden hutchinson we all know he's a fucking beast he was the most productive out of all these guys some of his physical tools aren't as good as some of these other guys in terms of in terms of his hand or sorry his arm length but that's really the one knock on him um he had a really good 40 time at 474 at his size 67260 i believe it was that's a really impressive time and his three cone shuttle shows how fluid his hips are he ran a 673 three cone i believe which is just crazy fast. That is wide receiver type numbers. He's obviously got really fluid hips. He's got all the tools. He's got a really strong motor and Aiden Hutchinson is most likely going to be the first overall pick for a reason. He deserves it. He is a very, very good generational talent. Some sleepers from the edge class. Uh, My first sleeper is Sam Williams of Mississippi. He is another guy who was very impressive at the combine. He ran a 44640 at 64261. That is just absolute explosion that you cannot coach and that explosiveness, explosiveness excuse me, really shows up on tape as well. He's really quick to shoot gaps and still flexible and bendy off the edge, which we really like to see in these pass rushers. Um, he's got really good hands as well. They're really strong. They're really heavy. He's pretty good at countering other people's hands. He's got a good punch and a slap to get those hands off of his chest. He's still not great against the run, which is why you know you're not drafting him in the first round most likely but he has got some serious pass rush upside i really like what i saw from him in the tape and i think not enough people are talking about sam williams of mississippi he was first team all sec this last year at, with 12 and a half sacks very productive and i think that his production in the pros will only increase i'm gonna get my dog to stop barking and i'm gonna start this up in a second <laughs> Alright, I'm just gonna hope they stop, they're stopping for now, so let's keep going. My next sleeper I got here off the edge is Nick Benito out of Oklahoma. He is another, just another one of these freaky athletes. It feels like people are just getting freakier and freakier. He's a little undersized for an edge guy at 6'3", 248. He's not small by any means, but he's more of a twitchy finesse guy. super twitched up just a great athlete he ran a four five four 40 yard bash um he's already proven he can rush the passer he's a pretty similar prospect to sam williams in that he played against a bunch of nfl competition he did get overpowered at times but he showed some versatility along the line um this is just like a perfect player in like a belichick type scheme because i think you can do a lot with him he showed a lot of versatility um whether it's shooting gaps or coming around the edge, he's got really, really quick feet and really good at using that speed to his advantage. Um, there were times on films where guys just straight up missed him. He's got really good feet. So he's there's a few times where he's able to open up to his chest to a person. It absolutely looked like they were going to be able to lock his hands on him. And the second they reached his, their hands out to try and get his chest pad, he was just dipping that those hips, dipping those shoulders and getting right around guys. So... I think that type of game can really translate to the NFL level, just because of how quick and athletic, athletic, excuse me, athletic and twitchy he is. Again, I think if he ends up in the right scheme, we could this could be a name we're really talking about for a while now. Nick Benito from Oklahoma, Sam Williams from Mississippi. Don't forget those names because people aren't talking to them about them enough, and they could be very efficient rookies, faster than people think. I believe. So let's move on to wide receivers. Um, this was easily the hardest list to draft and to make. Um, I just think there's so many different ways that you can go. And I think that they all have their own element that they bring to the game. And this class is also just deep as shit. I mean, there's guys like Christian Watson, Sky Moore, George Pickens, Jalen Tolbert, Alec Pierce, even Tyquan Thornton, who most people are just know for his speed, he he ran a four two eight forty. 40 at the 40 yard dash um he's just a good receiver too who could be dangerous as hell in the right system Um, i think all these guys could have really productive rookie years i really like what i see from alec pierce i really like what i see from jalen tolbert sky moore has all the tools in the fucking bag to just be extremely productive And it feels like all these guys are just so fucking fast. I mean, it's not just Taekwon Thornton. It's all these guys. Alec Pierce ran a 4-4-1. Jalen Tolbert ran in the 4-4s. Sky Moore ran in the 4-4s. Christian Watson ran in the 4-4s. These guys all just have crazy fucking speed. And there's just so many good prospects at the receiver position. There's so much depth. I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, round two and round three guys be really productive. And without further ado, let's just get into my list. At number five, I'm not as high on this guy as some, but again, I think it really just depends on what you're looking for in your offense. I really don't think that, you can separate this five from one. I really just think it depends on what you need for your offense. And there's totally an argument for my guy at five to be number one. There's totally an argument for my guy at number one to be at five. And you can basically switch these guys however you want. But if I had to rank them, I suppose I'd put Drake London from USC at five. Um, he's here because he can't separate as well as some of these other guys. He's got a little bit slower feet. He's not necessarily a bad route runner, but he just can't separate as well due to his lack of speed. But again, that's not his game. It doesn't matter if he can't separate, if he can just go up over the top of guys and just bring balls down like a rebound. He, obviously with his basketball background, it really helps him out. He's just a big body receiver that you can throw a lot of contested catches to. He's very, very similar to Michael Pittman, who came out of USC a couple years ago. And again I think a perfect place for him to fit uh, would be the Washington Commanders and have him join Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz was extremely productive when throwing to Michael Pittman last year. I think we could see a similar situation here if Drake London is there at 11 for the Washington Commanders. At number four, I have Traylon Burks. Um, I have him one spot above Drake because he brings a lot of the same elements that Drake brings, except I think he's much better after the catch. And I also think he's Since he's faster, he can separate a little bit better. Um, I think there's more he can do. He's getting comparisons to Debo Samuel, which I really don't see. I just think that they used him in similar ways to Debo Samuel at Arkansas, so that's why he's getting the comparisons as a gadget player, getting pitch pu- pitch plays, screen passes, all that type of stuff because of, again, what he can do after the catch. But what I, what I really see with him is a lot more of A.J. Brown. They remind me a lot of each other. He's a very physical, big receiver, but can also separate from players and has pretty good hands, too, as far as snatching the ball out of the air. At number three, I have possibly the best route runner out of this entire class. Chris Olave of Ohio state. I loved this guy, especially when he was playing with Justin fields. Um, if there's any way at all that he ends up being available for the bears, <clears throat> I think they absolutely have to take him. I'm not expecting it. I do think he's going to be a first round pick. I think most of these guys are going to be first round picks, if not all of these guys. Um, but Chris Olave again, just a great separator has absolutely burning speed and really liked what I saw from him on film at Ohio state. And number two, I have Jamison Williams. Um, we all know who Jamison Williams is. We all know why he's so good. Um, and again, I'm not gonna talk about these guys too extensively that obviously leaves Garrett Wilson at one because again, it's, it's like splitting hairs here. If I were drafting this year, I would simply be choosing the receiver that I feel best fits our offense in theory. If I was a GM, I mean, you can make an argument for any one of these guys. Um, I'd say if you already have a guy, like let's say the Eagles wanna take a receiver, they already have a guy like Devontae Smith. I don't think Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, or Chris Olave would be a great fit. I think they'd more target a guy like a Traylon Burks or a Drake London, a bigger body to pair with Devontae Smith there, um, and Jalen Rager, whose future is still kind of up in the air. So again, Jamison Williams two, Garrett Wilson one. Um, but that's kind of just because I think Garrett Wilson can just do a little bit of everything. He plays a lot bigger than his size. He's pretty good in contested catches. He can separate really well. He showed that he's a lot faster than a lot of people thought at the combine. He ran f- sub 4-4, which is absolutely phenomenal. Jameson Williams, if he was at the combine, certainly would have run sub 4.42. And with how pass happy and vertical stretching the league has become with these speed demons on the outside, that's why I have these three guys as my top three, because they're arguably the three fastest guys while also displaying the most ability to, you know, run routes and separate from their players. So yeah, again, not going to talk about those guys too extensively because it just really depends on what you want. So let's just jump into some sleepers here. And there's a lot of sleepers, don't get me wrong. But if I had to talk about two, my first would be Alec Pierce of Cincinnati. This guy is a athletic fucking freak. I mean, he is 6'3", 211. And like, don't overlook this stat. He had a 40.5 inch fucking vertical. He had a 40 inch vertical at to 11. That is fucking freaky. This guy is an athlete. Let me say that again. He had a 40 and a half inch fucking vertical. That is ridiculous. Like that, there are basketball players that like, do not have that type of ups. Oh yeah. Andy ran a four-four-one forty. 140 So this guy is an absolute freak, but it's more than just that. He showed a lot more than just that on film. Uh, not only could he separate with that speed, but he showed really, really good hands and he had a really good ability to track the ball and make catches in traffic. I really liked what I saw from this guy. I think if he ends up in the right system, he could be extremely productive. And I think people are just simply overlooking him because again, I think people are looking overlooking a lot of these guys from Cincinnati. Sauce Gardner is really getting the respect he deserves in my opinion. In a way, it almost feels like he's being overhyped because he's, you know, got so much swagger and confidence about him. Some even even call it cockiness, but I really think this Alec Pierce guy is flying under the radar. He I hate to make this comparison because he literally was the best offensive player in football last year, but I see a lot of Cooper cup in him and it's not just cause he's white. It's because he's quick as shit. He's pretty good at running routes. And I think he's only going to get better. And they have very similar frames. He can run block with that big frame. Uh, he didn't show too much of him on film, but just with how big he is, I, I imagine that you can coach him up to do so. And I really think that you can do a lot with him in this offense. He can play outside. He can be one of those mismatches in the slot and cause a lot of problems with that really, you know, really, really impressive speed he displays. Um, I believe his family has a track background and it really shows up on film. So I see a lot to love from Alec Pierce. Um, He barely didn't make my top five. He's probably my sixth favorite guy. And my seventh favorite guy would have to be Jalen Tolbert. Uh, I mean, I just had so much fun watching this guy. Um, He was absolutely insane last year. And again, just not getting too much attention as some of these other guys. And I think it was because he was at school at South Alabama. But I mean, still, he played his best ball against some of the best teams that he played. Um, He had seven 100-yard games last year. He was extremely productive last year. Um, And he's just very smooth with his routes. He did have some questionable drops. And I think that's why he isn't as high um, with some people as he is with me. But I mean, he's explosive. I really think his game translates on the NFL level. And he is just, he's just a baller. If you haven't seen Jalen Tolbert, go look up his film, go look up his highlights. He was explosive last year at South Alabama, very fun to watch. And I think not enough people are talking about him. Another guy that I don't think enough people are talking about, I'm just going to talk about this one really quickly is Tyquan Thornton. I've already talked about him a few times. He's a wide receiver from Baylor who absolutely lit up the combine, running a 42840. And I think because of that 42840, people are almost overlooking him and just kind of writing him off as, you know, like the next John Ross. Oh yeah, this guy took over the combine with his 40 time and he's not going to turn end into anything. But realistically, I think he's more than that. I, I, do liked what he displayed on film. Um, I think he's got better hips and fluidity than people give him credit for. He actually did have some routes. There was a couple times where he was legitimately taking the ankles of defenders. He's not just some guy that put the ball in his hands and he'll fly by you because don't get me wrong. He absolutely will do that. He's more than that. He, he really is. And I think he could put a few more pounds on. And even if he slows down a little bit from putting that weight on, he's going to be a really complete wide receiver at 6'3. I believe he's like one ninety right now. So he's got that. That lean frame, so he can really keep his speed. I believe he could get up to 200, still run in the 4 threes, and be an absolute weapon if he ends up in the right place. I really hope he doesn't end up in a place like Green Bay because there's their Marcus Valdez scantly replacement, and in a couple years he could even be better than him. So. Tyquan Thornton, a name to remember, don't forget about him, again, think he's being overlooked just because people are writing him off as just a combine warrior. He's a lot more than that. Let's move on to my offensive tackle rankings at number five. Uh, let us I'm not going to go over this too extensively. Um, we obviously know. You know, there's a couple guys who are really separating themselves for the rest. Regardless at number five, I have Bernard Raymond, um, Bernard Raymond, I believe he's at Northern Iowa, if I'm not mistaken, that might be Trevor Penning. I might be getting them mixed up. Anyways, Bernard, uh, he was a former tight end um, and he's got, he was extremely efficient and productive for, you know, barely, you know, changing the position. I was very impressed with what I saw in film. He's more of a technician. Um, he still has some places to improve his game, but uh, that there's a reason why he's at five and not higher. Number four, I have Charles Cross uh, Mississippi State tackle. I'm not as high as him on others. Um, I just feel like we've seen this narrative play out before. During his time in Mississippi State, he really he barely displayed, displayed his run blocking ability, which isn't as important as pass blocking with how you know, predominant the league is in passing these days, but a lot of his passing reps were really just quick dump offs. Um, I really don't see him as a top ten pick talent, but because of need and other guys being gone, he may just go in the top ten. I really don't like that value there. I just think that a lot of his film, while although he did have some really good pass reps, there were times where if another half second, another quarter of a second passed, it would have been a sack. It would have been on him. And I think on the NFL level with how much better the competition is, I really think that he can struggle his rookie year. Um, I just don't like as much of what I see as some other people. I know some people are really, really high on him and, I'm not saying he won't be a good NFL player eventually. I just don't really see it right away. And I think there's going to be some growing pains there. Um, again, not as high on him. That's why I have a guy like Trevor Penning above him. This guy is, in addition to just being a massive fucking giant specimen at 6'7, 325 pounds, this dude is nasty. He's one of those dogs. He. Is literally on the record of saying he wants people to hate him he wants to be a bully out there he doesn't want to make any friends with defensive ends and maybe i'm a little enticed by that narrative by that personality that he's displaying to the media because when i'm looking for a tackle at least you know if i were a gm and i would look for a tackle and this tackle says yeah i want people to fucking hate me i want to be the nastiest guy on that field that's exactly what i want in a left tackle so i really liked what i saw from him on tape though but he's may not have the best inside outside versatility in terms of where the line shifts, whether it be, you know, like a stretch zone to the right or, um, you know, a counter to the left. He might not have the best versatility that way, but he's shown good reps at pass blocking and run blocking. And when he's one-on-one with your edge defender, he is gonna just do his best again to absolutely bully you, to absolutely hate you. There are some times on film where he gets criticized for, you know, Doing a little too much, being a little too extra, in the fact that he can be a little too aggressive. I believe there was a rep at the Senior Bowl where he literally threw the edge defender at the knees of his quarterback because he just simply ripped him down to the ground. And in my opinion, that's not really a problem. You can coach that up. You can fix that. And I'd much rather have that problem than having be you know going too easy on these guys. So I really don't mind that. And I. Don't think that that criticism is entirely fair. And again, it's not a bad criticism to have. If you want to have a problem, you want it to be a problem like that. Number two, I've got Ikea Aquanu. Again, just another dog. These guys are just dogs. He is pancakes and pancakes and pancakes on his fucking film. It's like breakfast every single day when you watch it. Um, sorry, that was so tacky. But he's got a lot of versatility, um, especially in the run game. My God, he fucking mauls people in the run game i think he's best at guard at the next level because of that you know that running background that ability to just maul you especially in a zone scheme i really think he'd fit well um if he ends up falling to a team like the jets at four i think it's not the sexiest pick but i think that would be a phenomenal pick for them um as far as what they want to do with that sala zone scheme coming from the shanahan tree um I really think that would just be so perfect for him. Um, And even then, if he lands in New York with that heavy zone scheme, he could easily play tackle and thrive there because again, there's a lot of movements. There's a lot of pulling. He's really good at that, that, that type of stuff. He could be their Trent Williams. there. not saying he's Trent Williams because you know, fucking no one is Trent Williams, but um, that would just be such a perfect fit for me. And I, I really think again, the jets should really make that pick and pull the trigger out for if he's there. Even if he ended up in a pass happier system though, he's athletic enough, he'd be fine. I just think, you know, this next guy is a better technician in pass blocking. Um, He has just as much versatility, maybe not as good of a run blocker, but with a pass happy league, it's a little less valuable. Of course, I am talking about Evan Neal. He is my number one tackle on the board. Again, played left tackle, played right tackle. Really, really technical with his hands. Just a very good pass blocker. Um, it's more valuable than run blocking in this day and age. That's why I have him slightly above Iki Aquanu. I think Iki might have better tools overall, and in the long run, Iki might be a better player. But right now, as a left tackle, uh, especially in this day and age when you're passing the ball so often, Evan Neal has to be just, again, just a hair above him. And don't get me wrong. These two guys, I'm very confident are going to be very good NFL starters. So let's move on to the most important position of all and one that gets talked about more than ever, um, quarterback. Yes, it absolutely is a weak class for the quarterback, but there's still a couple guys in particular who are really toolsy and they really intrigue me, um, especially because, again, with how the league is shifting, um, these toolsy guys we've seen time and time again, if they end up in the right system, they can be extremely successful. We see guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. uh, Um, we we still really yet to see what Trey Lance is going to end up. Justin Fields, you could argue is extremely toolsy. A lot of these guys that just have all the physical tools, uh, they tend to translate pretty well into the league. I really prioritize that over something like NFL readiness over something like accuracy. Of course, all that stuff is very important, but you can coach all that. You can't coach arm talent. You can't coach speed, um, You can coach intelligence, you can coach accuracy, you can coach a lot of these things. And we've seen that time and time again. Uh, The most successful quarterbacks in recent years are the Lamar Jacksons, are the Josh Allens, are these guys that are just freak athletes, athletic specimens. So my two top guys are my best athletes. You can probably figure who's up there, but regardless, let's start at five. I've got Matt Corral. Obviously, Chris Sims kind of broke the internet again by putting Matt Corral as his number one quarterback. I really don't agree with that take. I like that he's got some versatility. I like that he can, you know, run the ball decently well, but I don't really want to see him continue to do it the way he's doing it at the NFL level because he's not fast enough like Lamar to just not get blown up. Uh, He's been blown up a couple times in college. He actually injured himself his last game in college, which, you know, clearly hurt his stock and, He's 6'2, 200 pounds, so he's not small, but he's quick. He's not like the fastest. Um, And overall, he does have really good accuracy and he's got a really, really quick release, which are two things that I really like about him. But the problem is, he just ran an offense at Ole Miss that was. Not like a pro pro style offense a lot. Uh, it was just a lot of play action. When it wasn't play action, it was RPOs. He's reading one guy's one guy, excuse me, and dumping the ball off. It's just very, very, very simple stuff. So I really didn't like that from an NFL readiness standpoint. I'm not saying that this guy can't be a starter one day, but I really see him more as a backup. Um, I honestly, I see a lot of these guys as a backup again, it's a weak quarterback class. At number four, I have Sam Howell, Sam Howell and Matt Corral, are very similar to me. Um, you know, both very quick releases, both proven they can run the ball. Um, the one thing I do like about Sam though, is Sam showed a little bit more versatility and flexibility as far as Sam ran two completely different offenses at his time at UNC. He had all those weapons in Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, Daz Newsome. Uh, the previous year. And then this year, all those guys left, went to the NFL and they changed their scheme entirely to a much more power run heavy scheme. Um, He was running the ball a lot more and he was Pretty good in both aspects, honestly. So I really like that he's got a lot more versatility to his game. I really like that he ran a more pro-style offense than Matt Corral, um, and he's got a fucking really strong arm. So there are things to like about Sam. He's just slightly above Matt Corral in my opinion. At number three, I have Kenny Pickett. Um, you've heard the the term "most NFL ready." I don't really know about that one. He he had a problem in college. Well, maybe it wasn't really a problem because he couldn't really. You couldn't really see it was a problem, but it will certainly be a problem in the NFL. He spends way too much time jumping around the pocket. Um, There's just you need to get rid of the ball quicker in the NFL level, especially if you're going to end up in a place like Carolina, who while their offensive line is much better, they're still new, they're still going to have to gel and get used to each other. Um, You've got to get rid of the ball faster than that. He is a very accurate passer of the ball. He does have some abilities to run the ball, but again, just his physical tools are not nearly as good as the two guys above him. Um, But He's displayed a lot more on film than Matt Corral or Sam Howell. That's why he's above those two guys. Very accurate passer of the ball, especially in the intermediate range. Um, obviously, people are talking about his hand size and his and the gloves. I don't really give a fuck about all of that. I'm not really paying too much attention to that. I'm just kind of seeing what I'm seeing on film, what I like about it. Um, and I like his passing ability. I really do. But there is a mental process of the game, especially at the NFL level, that... Is very hard to predict and very hard to you know translate from college to the NFL. But in general, when you're taking a shit ton of time to pass the ball in college, those time periods are only going to get much shorter in the NFL, and I really don't like that. So that's why he's my number three quarterback. That's why I have. Desmond Ritter at number two above him. And again, it's not that Desmond Ritter is a more pro ready NFL quarterback now. Um, Desmond Ritter did show pretty good placement of the ball as far as how he's passing the ball. Um, but he tested really, really well at the combine. He ran a 4.4940 um, very, very fast. And again, just a cannon of a fucking arm. He's got such a goddamn strong arm. He was a four-year starter at Cincinnati. Apparently he's really wowing um, coaches and scouts with his interviews. Um, and I completely believe it. Everything I've seen from him, he's a very, very solid guy. Um, he's a leader for that Cincinnati team for a very long time. I um, was really impressed with how he played. Just There is a bit of a fumbling issue. He's kind of got that Daniel Jones like slippery hand problem um, where he's very athletic, and I think that sometimes it just... He kind of forgets, it's it's like he forgets that, you know, people can swipe the ball out of his hands at times. He definitely did have a fumbling issue, but I like to think that some NFL team can fix that up. I really like to think that some NFL team can coach him up and get the best out of him. And if you can, that as a prospect is just so much better than Kenny Pickett. He can do so much more for you. Um, between his arm talent his legs and his leadership skills, I really like what I'm seeing from Desmond Ritter. Number one, again, not really a surprise here. Uh, easily the toolsiest guy out of all these probably has the strongest arm probably is the fastest and probably could start the earliest and be the most successful out of any one of these guys. I've got Malik Willis at number one. Um, he is just Again, he's got all the tools in the fucking book. He's got a fucking cannon, and he can move, and he can shed tacklers, and he didn't hold on to the ball for too long at college. He made smart decisions. Um, I think he would have been much, much better if he wasn't at a school like Liberty. If he was at one of these big-time programs and making half the plays he make, I think we wouldn't be saying nearly the same stuff about him or this quarterback class as a whole. I really, really like what I'm seeing from Malik Willis. And again, just the way the NFL is going, I would prioritize a guy like him over any one of these guys. So Malik Willis, my number one quarterback in this NFL draft process. Again, that can change Uh, all these position, these draft position rankings could change, but as of now, that's who I got there. Um, I don't really have a sleeper here uh, just because again, this class is pretty fucking weak. And there's not a whole lot to talk about. I guess if I had to throw one out there, it'd be a really, really deep sleeper um, that not a lot of people are talking about. And that'd be Bailey Zappi. Um, If you don't know who Bailey Zappi is, he broke all kinds of FBS records last year. I believe he had like 57 touchdowns and like 6,000 something yards. Um, He's a little undersized. He's got a lot of Baker Mayfield to him. He's a very strong, powerful, compact body um, that can't move too well. Again, he's got a, I think, a very limited ceiling, but his floor is definitely there. I could see him being a successful backup in the league and potentially get a starting job at one point. I have a feeling he's gonna be like one of those guys that um, you see him come out in like the fourth round, fifth round, uh, you forget all about him. And then one day he ends up being pushed into a starting job because of an injury or whatever. And then maybe the league falls in love with him. He could be like that new Taylor Heineke uh, couple with games where he plays pretty well. What do you do with this guy? Um, I could definitely see like a similar story playing out there. So the day Bailey Zappi comes onto an NFL field and starts, remember this segment by yours truly. Now let's talk about three free agents really quickly before I wrap up this episode. First of which we have Bobby Wagner going to the Los Angeles Rams on a five year $50 million deal. Fuck man, how does LA just keep getting everybody and paying everybody? And now Aaron Donald's coming back and they just, they have Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey on the same defense it's just fucking nuts. Like they are just, it's, I mean, it's the city of stars and all the stars are definitely here and they're staying. And it's, fucking crazy bobby wagner it's a great addition it's from a leadership standpoint it's a great addition from a gameplay standpoint because bobby wagner still absolutely has it maybe he's not the same guy he was in coverage he's a little slower his hips aren't quite as good as they used to be but he's still damn good he's still damn smart he can diagnose defense or offenses very quickly he's very good at rushing the passer as uh, on blitzes he's very good stopping the run um just a very good pickup from them and they're only paying him 10 million dollars a year so honestly kind of a team friendly deal next we got alan robinson also going to the los angeles rams this one nearly shed a tear within me um can't be surprised at all though like genuinely if i were alan i would not want to be in chicago either going to la with a much better quarterback in a much better offense on him with a much better coaching staff with a much better history just everything is better um maybe he's not getting paid nearly as much um as he would be paid if he stayed in Chicago. I have a feeling we would have tried to give him at least 18 mil a year. Um, I would have offered 20 plus, but that's just me. Um, But he signs a three year, $45 million deal. Again, another pretty team-friendly contract for the contributions that Allen Robinson is going to bring. Allen Robinson is a damn good football player. He's a damn good receiver. He's got fucking really strong hands, really good routes. He's a big body guy. He his skill set matches up very, very well with Matthew Stafford's skill set. He's going to be extremely productive last next year. Definitely going to want to be a guy you're targeting in fantasy football because his stock is going to be at an all-time low after his, you know, very hit or miss year last year. Um, he was injured a lot of the year. Uh, there was, you know, quarterbacks going in and out of the Bears lineup. He really could never get fully into the offense and just never fully involved. Um, he is going to be, he's better than Robert Woods. He is, he is an upgrade over Robert Woods. He has better hands. He has better routes. Um, maybe he's not quite as fast and not quite the run blocker he is, but with where this team is going, Allen Robinson, if you have Allen Robinson, if they've managed to bring OBJ back and Cooper Cup, Jesus Christ, like what do you do? That is just such a nightmare. Even if they don't bring OBJ back, if you just have Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup healthy for a year out there. Jesus, you're leaving Allen Robinson one-on-one for Cooper Cup to get doubled every time? Yeah, just fucking throw it up to him. He's going to come down with it. He is just that good of a receiver. He can separate. He has really good hands. He can catch the ball over your fucking head. Um, this is just a, a great pickup for the Rams, and he is going to be so productive next year with Matthew Stafford. I'm already saying it now. It, it's he's, he's so good, and people forget how good he is, and he's still only 29, if I'm not mistaken. So... Really good deal for the Rams, really good deal for Robinson. Happy for him that he's getting paid, happy that he's on a better team and happy that he's gonna be extremely productive next year. Next, and the final player I'm gonna talk about in today's episode is Tyreek Hill. Haven't talked about it yet with you guys. He is going to the Miami Dolphins. Um, He signed a four year $120 million deal after he was traded for five total picks, including a first round pick this year and a second round pick this year. Um, well... They have their toy to play around with. They have two of the fastest guy in, guys in the NFL in Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Um, they also have Raheem who who is one of the fastest running backs in the league. Um, so Miami is building a track team down there. I'm really with it. I'm really curious to see how they're gonna use all these guys with Mike McDaniel coming in from the Kyle Shanahan scheme. Um, they just have speed up the ass. They're gonna make every team try and keep up with them. It's gonna be extremely hard for them to do so. And Tua... With the signings they've made on their offensive line as well in Teron Armstead and Connor McGrevern, he is just, again, running f- lower and lower on excuses. It is Tua time, now or never. If he doesn't produce this year, if he doesn't lead him to the promised land of the playoffs, then you absolutely have to move on from Tua because this team is loaded to win now. Not only are they just a good defense now, but they have some serious offensive firepower and they should be very competitive with the patriots with the jets with the bills even and i'm very excited to see what they do this year and how they perform especially how Tua performs because obviously the argument has been made that tua can't you know fully use tyreek's skill set because he can't he's not the best deep passer which is true tyreek statistically probably won't have As good of a year as any of the years he had with Mahomes because he was just, you know, one of, if not the best receiver in football for, you know, three years there. But regardless, the impact he's going to have from even a non statistical standpoint, just what he forces the defenses to do and adjust to him and account for his speed and all that shit. Um, he is going to tremendously help this football team and it was a really, really good trade and sign for him. Obviously, it's a very hefty deal, but when you're a team like Miami and you need to make splash plays and you're trying to compete with a team like Buffalo, you've got to make big moves like this. And we've seen time and time again, the most successful teams tend to make the biggest splash moves. So. Been an amazing off season, had a lot of fun watching a lot of these guys' films. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to share this with your friends and family. Let me know by reaching out to me and give me your thoughts on some of these draft prospects, some of these free agent signings, let me know where I got my rankings wrong. Let me know if you guys like some of these sleepers. Uh, Again, highly recommend watching the film of some of these guys, particularly Alec Pierce, Jalen Tolbert, Sam Williams, Nick Minito, a lot of these guys that people aren't talking enough about. Go check them out because they're extremely fun to watch. And that's some of the most fun part about this whole draft process. Obviously we can talk about the very hyped up recruits. We can talk about, you know, the guys who are gonna make an immediate impact, but it's really some of these deeper guys that I think are the most fun to talk about Because we forget guys like Cooper Cup were a third round pick. Guys like Antonio Brown were a sixth round pick. Obviously the most notable example, Tom Brady, the last overall pick of the draft. The list goes on and on and on. The draft is where, you know, teams make or break their next 10 years. So it's, I'm so excited for it. I, I hope you guys are too, again hope you enjoyed the episode i'll talk to you guys next wednesday that's been it for me um there's a lot of announcements coming up in the future i'm actually going to be rebranding soon um so we'll talk about all that very soon i'll keep you guys updated and yeah thanks for listening guys peace out